This week's episode is a recording of a conversation produced by Tiffany Earle and Anelody Milne, the founders of Lemmy. We've done our best to enhance the audio of the 20-year-old conference call. While the sound may not be the best, the content is a classic. Today we're going to be talking about the law of the wall. And um, many of you are really familiar with the law of the wall. You've uh, probably hit the wall enough times in your life that you've got road rash or you've got uh, some kind of ailment that's bothering you and you have to have a cure for it and you um, haven't just, you just haven't come to the whole understanding of the law of the wall. Um, basically, the law of the wall says that you will hit a wall in every endeavor that you make. Right, Tiffany? <laughs> right, that's, that's it in a nutshell. Some people, some people, you know, they're so good, they just, they see the wall coming and they just jump. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, we have all these people are that way. But I'll tell you, you know what? I've talked to some of the greatest people alive. You know, I've had I've had interviews with some of the finest men that have ever lived, in my opinion, who who are really doing wonderful things um, in their lives in their communities. And bar none, I have asked them that um, you know what what are some challenges you have faced and some people will say, "Oh, I've I've totally gone bankrupt twice." Yeah, no person escaped. Yeah, or oh, I totally um, I couldn't make it. You know, I I hit this uh, this this wall in my life and I couldn't get past it until I changed my habits. You know, my brother, he's the founder of the founder of Kinkos, and what he's you know he when he first started his business, two of his store his his store burnt down twice. There's a roadblock there, and he told me. He says there, are, I, there were many lessons I had to learn in in that experience. So just remember, take heart that uh, when you hit a roadblock or when you hit a wall, um, yes, it's going to hurt, but there is a way to get through it. That's could right. You take a few, could you take a few minutes and kind of outline for us that process? I will, and if I have your permission, after I outline it, I'd love to share a story with it, too. Okay. Does that sound good? That sounds good. Okay. Sometimes we, it's human nature to want to avoid um, pain or difficulty or opposition or anything like that. And so the first thing that I want to share is actually our perception of the wall. Because, of course, the things that we're teaching the youth and the things that we're taking into our life with um, growing and moving up through the scholar ladders of vision, mission, skills, and ability, <clears throat> the perception we have is an ability. And getting through the law of the walls is a mixture of ability and skill, and the perception, we can either have a negative perception or we can actually look and say, yes, what an opportunity, I just have to find it, you know, and um, and so I want to share something about how we can have that perception about when we hit a roadblock or a wall, and there, there I, the first analogy that I want to give is of a tree. Sometimes when a tree's 
seed is planted and the tree begins to grow, there can be water quite close to the surface, and the tree doesn't have to dig very deep to get its water. And so the roots um, stay kind of shallow because it's really easy for it to suck up its water and, and the tree grows up and up and up. And that is just great when there's no wind. <laughs> and that is just great until it bears fruit and gets heavy. And um, and there comes time sometimes that the water is so close that you can get a batch of trees that doesn't sink its roots and a wind, an occasional wind will come up or it'll bear its first heavy crop and boom, it just topples. But if, if you've got trees that have to sink its roots and go deep to get its nutrients and to find its water and has to push its way through the rocks and through the clay and through some sand and and boom, 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 grow, 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 curve this way, go this way, come over here, and its roots are sunk deep, then when the winds blow, it just stands stronger. Wow. And it's there, and when, the, and, it, and when it's small when the winds blow, it gets, it practices sending out shoots off of its roots, and it's, it, they, they tie together, and they're deep, and they're strong. And so when the tree gets really tall, it's had tons and tons and tons of practice standing. And it can. It can weather the storm. And it actually, it is what it is because of the wind. And that's, that's what I realized. And it's the same thing with our muscles. It's the same thing that, that if the muscles, like in our physical body, are never, ever used, and we don't... That's why they call it ripped when you're um, yeah. you're really strong because you have to actually rip down, tear down muscle so that you can build it up again. That's right. That's what happens when we work out really, really hard. And if you've ever seen someone who's crippled and they actually don't feel the the strain and the opposition. They don't have the sensation and the feeling, and sometimes it's the feeling we're afraid of, okay? We're, uh, when, when we hit the wall, we're like, no, 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 you know what? That is the best thing ever. Yeah. It is the best thing ever because someone who is crippled and they can't have that feeling, of course they, they have no muscle either. They would give anything to feel. Yeah. They would give anything to work. And sometimes we just have to see it that way. It's just like if you take a metal and you want you want to make a sword, it has got to be heated up and it's got to be pounded and it's got to be molded. And that's what the law does to us if we'll let it. And that's what the law is. And I want to show that there are, we have three choices when we hit that wall. And the first thing is to recognize, am I, how am I viewing this? I'm like, ouch, oh, that burns, ow, stop, you know? I'm going to run away. Or, or am I like, okay, I'm taking this head on, and I'm going to have energy, and I'm going to find the thing that, because here's the deal, it's all about who we're becoming and our, the character we build. It's not even, and this is the funny thing, it's not even about the wall. No. And we think it is. And it's not. Yeah. That's, you know, it, it, the tree is growing. It's not about the rocket hit. It's about moving around it and the action we take. So here are the three choices that we find ourselves facing when a challenge comes into our life. 
The first one is we have the choice to fail. We have the choice to give up. We have the choice to stop and and stop, just sit down. And <clears throat> yeah, I, I don't know, I can't tell you. We have you. the choice to say, this is too hard, I don't want to do this anymore. Exactly, I'm done. <laughs> we really have that choice. And sometimes we don't even realize that, that that we quit. I mean, I one of one of the I was so so proud and so happy for. It, here's the deal: all of us sometimes make that choice, but the point is to recognize and and not choose to continue failing. And and failure is not that you fell down. Failure is that you didn't get back up. Yeah, and that's really this is the thing. When we um, we sometimes people think that failure is final. That you experience a failure or you experience a series of failures, and then so it's time to quit. Yeah, no, quitting no. is a yeah. choice. Quitting is a choice. That's right. That's you right. don't and have to quit ever. That's right. That's right. One of my most favorite, favorite, favorite poems that I grew up with, and oh, man, I wish I could just say it instead of having to tell the story, is one that my dad would tell us <clears throat> about the the race. And the boy who wanted to win and he get fell down. Get up and win that race. He hears his dad calling and he's running and he falls again. And he hears his dad get up and win that race. And he gets up and he runs and he runs and dog on it if he doesn't fall again. And he's got a choice every time and everybody in the race is leagues ahead of him. Why in the heck should he keep running? Everybody else is so far ahead. But he hears his dad get up and win that race. And you know what? The crowd cheers when the first winner crosses that line. But when he crosses that line, the crowd is not just cheering. They are standing up and yelling and clapping and crying. Because it's universal that we fall. But it's not necessarily universal that we get back up and Keep on going. And I, a, one of our teacher reports this last week was someone who was really touched by when Natalia and Elodie talked about love versus force. And she said, you know, I've run into the same thing in my life and I keep on, I, I just give up. And, and she said, I'm not giving up this time. I'm going to face it. And I'm going to do it. And it was it was just beautiful. But sometimes that's one of our choices is to, is to give up. The next choice we have when we hit a wall is is the path of mediocrity. And sometimes the path of mediocrity looks like we're, like, really getting a lot of work done. But the truth is the path of mediocrity means that we waste our time. And here's what it looks like. We hit a wall and we're like, oh, you know, i got to get over this wall. I'm going to go ask my best friend what to do. I'm going to call my sister. I'm going to chat with my husband. I'm going to call my ten friends. In fact, at the luncheon today, I'm going to bring it up and get everybody's advice. <laughs> and the path of mediocrity is going to the crowd. And it seems like it's the way to get over it. But what it does is it gives us a whole bunch of advice and we get confused, and we pick one, and we try it, and we pick this one, and we try it, and we argue with ourselves about which one to do. And whoever we have the strongest allegiance to, that's sometimes the one we'll take. And we just waste our time. 
Because not all information is equal. And there can be a whole bunch of things that are true, but there's only going to be one that's the best right. Right. And you know what? It's interesting, Tiffany. I realize that when we come to this place in our lives, sometimes if we're the kind of person, and actually I want to tell you, there are some personalities, um, specific personalities that tend to do this more than others. A red personality uh, would hardly ever do that um, because they want to always see themselves empowered. So they'll go to a book or they'll go to, you know, to other sources, to 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 God lots of times. But um, but we find um, like a yellow personality, sometimes blue personalities, they tend to want to go toward, you know, approval of others. And so they want to, they want others to, especially blue people, they want everyone to know what their weaknesses are and um, and talk about it and and get everyone talking about it because they think that that's what's rallying people around them. And then they get really confused because they hear all of these different voices telling them what to do. Yeah. Well, it's so, it's so amazing to have you tie it into part of our specific personality makeup because it's, it's true, depending on, on what your personality is. I, I know that it's, it's very true that reds often won't go to people, 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 but the reds often, and this is important to understand, because your weakness, you've got to look at your weakness and your strength, they'll often never go to anybody when they need to because right. they rely on themselves. They're chronic and they know they can do it and they trust themselves, but not anybody else to get it done and they won't get it done right anyway. And so, yeah, yeah, yeah. They, it all fits into the path of mediocrity if if you sometimes it looks like going to the crowd, sometimes it looks like relying only on self. Sometimes you're right, Melody. You're absolutely right. That's why it's really vital for us to understand who we are and and yeah. our, our personalities. And once we start really comprehending what our personalities are, we can look very critically at say, what do I what do I tend to do that's probably not healthy for me, you know. Yeah, yeah. Because well, here's of my personality type. That's right. That's right. And here's the third path, and it's the the path of success. And this is what people do who learn the law of the wall and how to navigate through the law of the wall. And it's just really simple. You hit the wall, boom. You you come up against the wall. You get on your knees. I mean, that's the that's the visual image I want you to have. Hit the wall. Get on your knees. Now, let me explain this in another way. If we hit the wall and move into a place where our brain wave is a certain brain wave and it looks like this blame, that's a great one. Oh, that, that game, <laughs> it's good. And Melody, I love that you say we need to know ourselves because it's, it's about that. When I find myself blaming, I just, oh, I, it's hard to get out of it, you know? It's yeah. just the other day it happened to me where I I wanted to do something and because I needed to help someone else and then they ended up not needing my help, I wasted two hours of my time because I had to stick around because I thought that they needed a ride. They didn't. Well, I was upset for half an hour because <laughs> I'd wasted two hours of my time and I was blaming them for not communicating to me. You know, well, what a waste of my time that I sat there and blamed, you know? is is Okay, blame. Next one is... is um, if we go into a place of criticizing, then that's not getting, this is the place we don't go to. The other one is complaining. Another one is fear. And another one is comparing. 
those five things, blame, criticize, complain, compare, and fear, are the type of brainwave that we can't get inspiration to know we have to have inspiration in order to get over the wall. That's the deal. That's the growth. That's the character. And can I, can I add in, can I add one more to you? Yes. Yes. Control. control. Yeah. Yeah. Well, if we have to control like it. it. Well, yeah, that's just it. <laughs> we have to admit we can't control it. That is, that's so beautiful. That is, in fact, I'm so glad you told that one. I am so glad because this is a true story. This is absolutely, totally a true story. And this is exactly what I'm saying with, um, if we can get ourselves to a state of mind where we can receive inspiration and then go and do it, that is the basic law of the law because we it's, it's an opportunity to put ourselves in a state of mind where we can receive inspiration and then do it. Because the, the whole premise of the law of the wall is, oh, I need something. There's something I don't have. I need something. I My friend was driving in a car. She'd been driving across several states, and um, she started to, to she I don't know if she hit black ice or what, but she started to swerve, okay? Oh, and I she thought, oh, I can control this. Okay? She thought, I can control this. So she started to correct and swerve more. And she said, I can control this. And she started to correct. She goes, I can do this. I've done this before. I'm totally fine. This is in my hands. And, and pretty soon she was completely spinning around on the freeway. And every time she spinned backwards, she could see the semi-light. Okay? That was behind her. And so she finally realized, <gasps> she knew the truth. Uh, yeah, I am not in control. And she had to either go to the place of fear or immediately hit her knees. And she did. She completely submitted. She got out of the, that place and she just says, she she asked for help. What do I do? She asked for help and it came. And she gently went off the road and, and guided her car off the road. But it is it's and, true. And the whole key was to... Not to try to keep controlling the steering wheel. At that point, yes, sometimes that's the choice we have to make. Is that we are not usually what you have to do on on black ice, right? Let go of the steering wheel. You have to let go. I've had this experience. I (laughs) I was going down the road, and I was totally jackknifing. I was totally, I was, I splayed across the, the the two lanes of the highway, and I and I kept I kept sliding and sliding. Finally, I let go of the steering wheel. I let go of control, and boom, it corrected itself, and it was fine. Yeah. Sometimes that's what it is. And, you know, when we, I, I'll tell this, I'll just tell this two stories, because I remember, um, I'm going to tell one about you, and I'll, well, I'll tell mine, and then yours. <laughs> I, I was, I was, it was at the beginning when I had gotten, and so strongly, the call, and, and it was so clear. The call came, and it was to help make Thomas Jefferson Education available to the youth, and it was particularly the youth of the United States. That's what I saw, and up into Canada. And I, I worked, and I worked, and I worked. I received the call. I believed in it, and I worked, and I worked, and I worked. For those of you who are wondering what the call that she's talking about, I'm going to go over that in just a minute, but go ahead and listen to her story. Yeah, thank Sorry. you. You're, no, you're good. And 
I had this desire to do it, and I was putting in the work because that's part of it. You have to put in the work. Sometimes we can get the call and then not work, and, you know, well, we didn't receive the call. So <laughs> I'm going along. I'm going along. And wow, I can't receive the call. Yeah, receiving is an action like the, you know, the quarterback receivers, whatever. Yeah, it's a lot of work. You know, receiving is big. So I had received it and I was doing the work and I had, um, I had a, the first scholar project. Um, I was working with a team of, of several people on the first scholar project. I mean, Dr. Hinky, Dr. DeMille, I, and Julie Early. I, I was, it was awesome. And, I, it was, things were coming along, and I realized, I'm like, okay, I have been called to help make a Thomas Jefferson education available to the youth, and um, I am not the author of a Thomas Jefferson education, and for me to actually do this, I have got to get Dr. DeMille's buy-in, <laughs> right? And that was a big wall. I was like, how am I going to do this? And I remember I got on my knees and I put myself in that state of mind where I was relaxed and I was open and I was positive and I could create and I could think and I could feel and I slowed my life down. I shut the door so my little kids, you know, couldn't couldn't um, distract me for a minute and I... I I did. I put myself in that place. That place is so important where we quiet and we still ourselves. And this is the crazy thing. I thought, my my question was, how do I, well, I know I need to, to bring this to Oliver DeMille and I know that I need to get him to support this and um, I I want to, I want to go see him and what is this, how do I do this? But I needed I needed inspiration. Well, the inspiration was totally far far totally far from what I thought. The idea that came to me, a person came into my mind. That's what happened. A person came into my mind. And I knew I needed to go see him. And he was not my mentor. He and I the the thought came to go see Doctor Brooks. He and I weren't particularly strong, strong friends. <laughs> and that I needed to go show him this scholar project, tell him my ambition to, to bring it to the youth, and blah, 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 and, and I did it. And I set up the appointment, and I was in his office, and I showed him the stuff, and he gave me three or four pieces of advice. Now, the reason why that's different than the, than the law of mediocrity is because I never had to question whether or not I should do the advice. Because you knew that you'd gotten... I already knew. That was perfect. Exactly. And so I never had to sit there and doubt whether or not I needed to get a new haircut so that I didn't just look like a hippie mom. I didn't have to, you know... It's very interesting, Tiffany, because lots of people will put lots of time into um, thinking about, oh, I need a mentor, I need a mentor, and they go to the person that they really feel like needs to be their mentor, and they say to them, I really felt strongly that that I need you to mentor me, <clears throat> and then and then the they mentor, don't do what they say. <laughs> oh, all, you know, all of a sudden, what you've done—if the mentor accepted what you what you've done—is you've passed on a mantle of stewardship. 
If you really truly think this person is that person, you've passed on a mantle of stewardship and you've said to them, please show me what the next step in my life is or please help me through this, whatever it is. And And then they can sometimes fight it. Yeah, well, or that person will say, okay, I know exactly what it is. If if I'm your mentor, <clears throat> you know the the rule of mentoring. Usually if you are looking for a mentor, it's because you need to do something for them, right? You need Sometimes, to, yes. <laughs> right. You need, to, you need to get on their boat, on their ship. Mentors yes. are very busy, and usually they have ships. So if you want them to mentor you, uh, usually you have to get on their ship. And so so they invite you onto the ship, and you look around, and you're like, wait a minute. This I don't want like this ship. I don't like this ship. Oh, yeah. This isn't what I was looking for. When it's and, that type of long-term mentoring, it's very true. Yeah. And then, yeah, and and when then you, if you yeah. choose not to be on their ship, then, then you know, you've just basically said to, to, to your higher power, your God, um, Show me a different ship. Yeah, show me a different mentor. I, that one wasn't true. <laughs> gotcha. It's true. It is a tendency to fight. You, you can fight what the mentor says, and if you know they're the right mentor, don't fight what they're saying. <laughs> yep, exactly. Okay. But I didn't have to doubt it. I didn't yeah. have to doubt it at that point cause, because I'd followed the law of the wall, and I had gone to that place of quietness. and. I remember that happening to you once, Melody, where you had been studying. I, I mean, I was on the outside watching this. You'd been studying for months and months and months, and I'm talking I was hardcore studying studies. Philosophers. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And sometimes you'd call me, and, and I'd help you through something and blah, blah, blah. But this one time, you, I you, felt you were so frustrated. I was fusion. so, yeah, I, I kept coming to the same thing over and over and over again. And I remember I got to the place where I just decided to shut my books, yeah. that it was something I, I didn't understand and I needed to shut my books and leave it for a little while. So I shut them. I left it for a while. That's so hard to do when you're in the middle of something because you want to just push right through it, you know. But I, I followed that impression. I shut my books and I, and I didn't come back to it for a couple of weeks. And then I came back and the question came to my mind, what does this word mean? Because I kept coming up to it. Everywhere I turned, it was that word, it was that word. And I would look up a definition of that word, and it would tell me what it is, and then I'd forget what it is. And then I'd come to it again, and I knew it was really vital for me to totally understand it. So I I picked up my books again, I came to that word again, and I realized, you know what, I've got to know what this word is. I have to find someone who can help me through this. So I felt really impressed to email Dr. DeMille. I never do this. I never, never do this. I emailed him and I said, please tell me what this means. He gave me a very clear, concise answer. I will never forget the definition of that word ever again. And now it I made realize... sense of six months' worth of knowledge. It categorized it all. It, it ordered it. All through. Yes. <sighs> and it's, it's his brilliance. It's what he does well. He, yeah. he orders things for you so that you can be clear in your mind the order of things. Let me ask you a question. When, when, what state did you have to put yourself in to actually have the inspiration to email him? I spent a lot of time being frustrated first. That was my first state. Okay. <laughs> and you couldn't and get then, over it. And then I got confused. When okay. first I got confused, then I got frustrated. That's what it was. got confused, then I got frustrated. Then I left it. 
as soon as I was able to get still in my mind, okay, calm down, it's totally okay, you're going to make it through this. Because I got still, all of a sudden the idea came. Just email Dr. Mill and ask him the definition of this, this word. The thing is, there were several defini- definitions of the word. Nobody really was able to put it in, a, in a, the kind of words I could understand. Yeah. That really so I, I had to go to that quiet space. Yeah. Well, I know that, that we've asked Tatiana to get on here with us. Yes. Was she able to come? Yes, she's on. And okay, me, wonderful. So I'm going to be I'm, quiet a little bit while okay. you talk to Tatiana. Okay, what I'd like to do right now is introduce to you. Um, we're, I'm going to I'm going to kind of take you through the same thing that Tiffany just taught us uh, in in some wonderful stories and examples of the law of the wall. But I want to uh, refer to an, an ancient um, cycle that Dr. DeMille and several have called the hero cycle. And I want to introduce this to you so that you understand you can be able to say to yourself, you know, have I been here? Am I here? Where am I now? So that you can have a way to measure um, maybe what your your roadblocks might look like or maybe when you are hitting a roadblock. So um, uh, my favorite story of the hero cycle is found actually in the book called The Dream Giver. It's very, very specific about the hero cycle, um, and it's a story of a, of a man named Ordinary who lives in the land of familiar. And one day, you know, he's used to all his familiar things, and one day he wakes up to a big dream in his heart. And um, that part of the story is illustrating what we call the call. So if we want to be great statesmen, People say, I need to find my mission. I need to find purpose in life. I need to, okay, you can, you can have a sense of where you're going to go and you can start going toward that, but until you really start getting that, that wind beneath your wings, that passion, that, oh, my gosh, this is so what God wants me to do or this is so what I was, was born to do, um, you... You, you basically are just preparing for the call up until that point. So, so Ordinary wakes up and he sees this. Tatiana, are you in the line? No, she's not there. Um, Ordinary wakes up and he sees this <clears throat> um, a feather in his windowsill after he gets this big dream in his heart. And this, the feather represents his call. And he goes to his best friend. He explains to his best friend what happened to him. He tells his father what happened to him. His best friend tells him, oh, well, that's really cool, but, you know, that's a little bit too big for you. His father says to him, "Um, son, I once had a big dream like that before when I was younger. And I waited and waited and waited for the opportunity to pursue that dream. And one day I woke up and looked at my feather, and it had turned to dust. So he says to him, don't do what I did. Don't waste your life waiting. Just make the choice. So the next step in the cycle, first gets the call, next step in the cycle is he has to make a choice. 
So he makes the choice to follow, and then he has to do something about it. So he decides to leave the land of familiar, and um, he needs to um, make big choices, right? And when he starts making these big choices, he starts coming up with all kinds of stumbling blocks, people telling him, what are you doing? Why are you doing this? And, and he, comes up, he comes, first of all, up to these stumbling blocks. That's the first time you're going, after you make the choice, that's the first time you're going to start really hitting true stumbling blocks. Okay? After you accept the call. Then you go to the next, then, then he, he made all the changes he needed to do. He, he um, made these choices that were very difficult for his life. Then he decided to um, leave the land of familiar. And as he was leaving the land of familiar, he, he hit the huge wall of fear, which actually becomes one of the, the biggest, one of the first trials he meets. He has, to meet, he has to go through the wall of fear, and he ends up getting a mentor. When he gets to the edge of familiar, he finds what he uh, a mentor called champion, and that's when he really gets a good mentor. Now realize that you probably have mentors up into your life, but this we're, this mentor we're talking about is a mission mentor, someone who can really help you through to your mission. You know, Tiffany and I we like to say that we we can be liberal arts mentors, but really honestly, what we want, what we we see ourselves as mission mentors, people who are really trying to change the world through um, offering a Thomas Jefferson education in a form that many people can flock to. It's not always the exact. It's not the the uh, the form that every single person who's doing a Thomas Jefferson education has to have to be successful. But it is a good form to help them, um, to, to help people have a community, immediate community that will help them get to the next next step in their lives. So we're ho we're hoping that our um, as if, as you're experiencing our mentoring, that <clears throat> we're helping you through all the roadblocks that you're going to meet as you come up to the challenges of creating a Commonwealth school. Recently, I was in. Um, an area, and I was having a conversation with one of the uh, Commonwealth School directors, and she said, "You know, we're having all these these issues, and we're having all these problems, and and people aren't agreeing, and <clears throat> people want some people want this, and some people want that." And she said, "You know, this is so hard and so confusing, and these people that I've been best friends with forever are we're starting to argue." She says, "Melody, this isn't the way it should be." We're interrupting this broadcast to invite you to ask questions or share your epiphanies in the comments section. And if you're enjoying this podcast, please consider leaving us a good review on the platform you are using because that really helps others find our content. Also, check out our website at lemmymentortraining.com. Well, that's a really hard place to be if you think that's not the way it should be. I'd like to have unity and harmony in my life forever. But in order for us to really make a great community, I'm telling you, when the Founding Fathers came together, they didn't all agree. In fact, in fact, Patrick Henry vehemently disagreed with everything they were doing with the whole Constitution. 
does that mean they didn't make the Constitution because Patrick Henry, a great leader in their, uh, their movement, didn't agree with them? No. Patrick Henry pulled himself away, and he ended up uh, living a secluded life in Virginia and, and trying to help his wife and his children. He had very several children, and his wife uh, went insane, and she had to have all kinds of help, and he was pulled out of the arena. Sometimes that happens to key players that we're working with. They're pulled out of the arena. <clears throat> but if you stick with it and you realize that the only time you're going to really, truly fail is when you quit. That quitting isn't an option. If the founding father says, this is too hard, we, we want to quit, what would we be left with today? Nothing. <clears throat> okay, so you get a mentor, and the mentor helps you through the hard work. Sometimes some, in the hero cycle, they call this the desert or the wilderness. While we're in the wilderness, we're going to hit tests, traps, and trials. Let me give you the definition of what a test is. A test is an external challenge. A trap is an internal weakness. And trial is something that needs to be endured. <clears throat> so, Mommy, so, that, um, your that trap is, is kind of like our human nature getting us in trouble? Yes. Yes, a trap is our human... Yes, and and, and, and the traps, um, when I was talking to Tiffany on the phone, I was telling her how important it is for, for us to understand our personality types. The reason why we want to understand our personality types is because a lot of times if we understand our personality types, it will tell us what our traps are potentially could be. Like like Tatiana, are you there? Mm-hmm. Oh, <laughs> hi. Um, <clears throat> so tell, according to your personality profile, maybe some of them, what would be some of the traps that you would fall into? But me? Yeah. Um, judging too quickly and... Um, the, uh, Creating, I guess, um, creating false problems. False securities? <laughs> well, false problems because I, I try to push myself too hard, and so then I create a problem. Oh, I see. <laughs> so one of the traps you fall into is you, you try to move, uh, you try to run faster than you can walk, or walk faster than you can yeah. run. Uh, yeah. Okay. So one of my traps um, as a <clears throat> in my personality profile would be that uh, I, I understand something about my personality. My personality really likes to be um, the relationship, friend, hanging out, having a good time, playing. So play becomes um, a, a point of procrastination for me. That's one of the traps that potentially... I can fall into as in my personality type. Okay. Did you have something else you wanted to talk about there, Tatiana? No. Okay. So trials is something we have to endure. Can you give me an example of a trial, Tatiana? Um, well, several historical examples, you know, the children of Israel weren't I just, can't hear you very well. Can you move your phone? Um, the children of Israel were 
<clears throat> stuck in the desert for 40, you know, years. That was a trial. I mean, it wasn't like God was going to... He had already saved them from Egypt, but that was a trial to perf- purify them. So. Yeah. I think sometimes we have lifelong trials with health sometimes because those trials um, bring us closer to God. And uh, yeah. with ourselves, like Aunt Margo, I'd have to say, would be that way. My my sister, is that what you're saying? Yeah. Yeah, yeah my sister is very ill. She's had all kinds of trials in her life. Um, yeah, I'm glad you brought up the whole uh, Moses and children of Israel because because this cycle can be found right with Moses and the children of Israel. And in fact, in fact, this cycle is found in in our core book every, everywhere because it is the cycle um, of great statesman heroes. <clears throat> well, you can see how the children of Israel, when they first got out, were kind of tested and they failed that test, and then they put themselves into a trap with a golden calf. And so God's like, well, we're going to have to put you through a long trial then. Yeah, that's right. And so then the desert was just a... So sometimes we're in this trap. Our internal weaknesses, our personality problems, or our cultural, we buy in, and it's trapping us. And so God has to give us trials to help us get out of the traps. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, well, because the trial is what purifies our personality. And so um, if if we keep hitting the same, I mean, God gives us tests to, to see if we're ready to go to the next level, I guess, or ready to progress, or keep, we can handle more, we can become what we need to be. And when we fail those tests, it's usually because of an, um, our inability to overcome through in ourselves. Mm-hmm. And so then sometimes then we set ourselves up in traps, and so God... Oftentimes, says, "Oh, right. Well, we're going to give you a child to help you get through this, right? So you can keep going on. Otherwise, we just wander, wander around in circles in the desert, right? And we're talking right now in the hero cycle. We're talking about that that wilderness period, which is really going to give us all these these roadblocks <clears throat> and and all this opposition. We feel like we are coming we're coming up with we're coming up to. Okay." Um, what I think is really interesting is that opposition is it's a true principle. Don't you think, Tatiana? It's, oh, yeah, yeah. I, I think it's like um, when you're talking about Commonwealth schools and how um, someone you talked to, a Commonwealth school leader, said that, you know, everyone was getting upset and your best friends were agreeing with each other and it wasn't perfect. And, and I was when you were talking about it, I was thinking, well, uh, that's the beauty of it because when there's opposition, there's, truth that is found um it's not the higher places yeah because i mean like each family has a truth that they understand and they live and they really um really can um offer to other families who don't understand that truth and when you get with a bunch of families and one family says no we have all truth then you have a problem because they don't have all truth and they need to be able to work together and, and compromise and build truth together so you have truth because we can take the strength of each other yeah is that what you're saying yeah and what we each understand and and so many people view that as opposition but in reality i don't know i um i went on this uh date with this guy he's a democrat and i really had a lot of fun (laughs) (laughs) sorry that challenged me it's a bad word in our house isn't it (laughs) yeah 
Uh, our dad of... thinks it's a bad word anyway. <laughs> <laughs> but I really had a lot of fun because he challenged me, made me think about new things. And and it, and I think that when we get together with people who offer opposition to us, number one, we become stronger in our own convictions that we know are true, and then we lose our convictions are are mediocre or not true. Instead of instead of okay, so this is really interesting. So instead of fighting him and saying, "Oh, you're totally wrong. You're totally off. You're totally wrong," you are what you're doing is you're using a skill that you know that you've learned to to understand his, his position. And bring yourself to a higher truth. Well, actually, I told them, I said, I love to talk to people I don't agree with because then they can prove where I'm wrong. And then I can build my argument better so that I'm not wrong anymore. <laughs> Interesting. But I think the same thing is, is true when we face opposition. That's not necessarily people but ourselves um, because opposition stops us in our path and, and makes us reevaluate, oh, am I standing on all truths? Um, because I think we only we only um, come across opposition when we oppose natural law. Because um, if if cause, I mean think about it, like the the Earth never has opposition to it to its circling or turning around or or, or whatever because it uh, it's it never not opposing natural law. Yeah, it's never not opposing natural law. So it's there's never any opposition to the Earth going around. It just is. It just happens. But and and you know, plants um, sometimes face trials um, because that's part of how they grow. But there's not opposition to them unless you know humans act upon them and stuff like that. But humans always have opposition because we're always going away from that law. law. And so and so I think opposition is what God gives us to say, wait, look, are you sure you want to go down that road? Because you need to realign yourself to natural law. Yeah. And then you'll and find so, out. And so when we think, when we have this paradigm that we think is right, and we're going along in this paradigm in this box, I like to call it the box because, you know, I have in front of myself this box that I always see through. <clears throat> and we come along to someone who um, has a new perspective, new idea, who may be more aligned, their idea may be more aligned with natural law. And um, we're going to hit loggerheads, right? Because my idea is different from their idea, right? Yeah, yeah. And so all of a sudden, I'm going to keep hitting myself against this wall every time I come to it because I can't get through the wall. And if I don't listen to that person who is, who, whose idea is more aligned with natural law, and it's, it's just an idea, right? To, a, a way to, lie our, to live our lives. But the uh, systems that we use in our lives help us to be aligned with natural law. That's the whole point of it. But I think also it doesn't even have to be with people. I think sometimes when I have a paradigm that doesn't go with natural law and I keep facing opposition in my life where I keep hitting the same roadblocks and it's just me in the world, I keep hitting them, keep hitting them, I can't figure out what, you know, that wall is or whatever. It's And it's usually I, I, all the things I'm hitting are opposition because I haven't changed my paradigm. Right. So having those relationships that help us see things differently is vital to our progress vital to our success. I mean, I think of John Adams and Thomas Jefferson, how many times they hit loggerheads. Oh, wow. John, Adams, John Adams just knew he was right. And Jefferson just, you know, quietly resisted him. <laughs> but they were both just as stubborn. Yeah, they were both just as stubborn. <clears throat> these these oppositions, these opposite things. I um, 
I, I, we know that that opposition is is true. It's it's a it's a principle. We see man and woman. Don't they seem opposite? North and south, north and south poles. Don't they seem opposite? Left and right. They, you know they they seem opposite, and and they're there for a reason to teach us something. Okay. <clears throat> um, let me go on to the next thing in the cycle. What happens is once we get through the desert, we we work through this test traps and trials, and we and this uh, cycle is on many levels of our lives. We can, you know, uh, get the call in being a parent, get the call in uh, in what we're doing in, in our commonwealth schools, get the call in um, getting a better, more healthy life, get the call, you know, see how we can, there, we get receive many calls in our life. So, but what happens is once we work through those test traps and trials in, in whatever call it is we're working on, we start feeling the real great success and we can sprint to what we call the last and final um, test. We will go through one last final test and then we will receive the reward of what we've been working on. We'll see the, the growth, the prospering of the, um, the project that we've been working on. Um, so, but <clears throat> let's go back to Law of the Wall. That, that was a cycle that I wanted you to introduce to you so you could kind of decide where am I and what test traps and trials am I, I mean, what what roadblocks am I facing? Okay, am I facing the first roadblock, which is making that vital choice, and the problem that I'm having is that I'm rejecting the call, or I'm listening to movie voices, or um, I don't, I, I'm too afraid. You know, the whole, all those, the, the criticism, judging, all those things that Tiffany talked about. Okay. Um, and then, or am I really in the wilderness where I'm facing test traps and trials, where I have external challenges, or I have internal weaknesses? When you're in the place of test traps and trials, I will tell you I know every person I see who's in test traps and trials. They are in a place of, okay, I know I'm doing what's right. I know I'm where I'm supposed to be. And they can self-evaluate <clears throat> I was in an interview with a, a wonderful man one time, and I said to him, if you had any advice for me, what would it be? And he looked at me straight in the eye, and he said, the most important thing in this life is self-honesty. You will not be caught for too long in any test or trap, or trial even, if you can be completely and truly self-honest, if you can look at yourself, evaluate yourself honestly and say, oh, wow, that was a big mistake I made. I'm so sorry, and go apologize. Or, oh, wow, I was doing that because this was all about me. This wasn't about my Commonwealth board. This wasn't about the progress of, of the mentees that I have. This was about me. I've got to step back and, and look at my pride. Those people who are in the test trap and trial, the wilderness place, are the most become the most self-honest people I know. Those are the people who start to align themselves and become of one heart and one mind with one another. You know, uh, Diane Jepson and I don't necessarily do the same things to make a Thomas Jefferson education successful. But we, in, 
in every way support one another. And some of the, idea, the ideas that she has are very similar to ideas that I have there because they're aligned with natural law. And when we say, when we have a, a discussion about things we're doing, they don't conflict. They're just a different choice. Okay, so mine might be a choice for somebody else, somebody, and, and hers a choice for somebody else. But because we're both in the wilderness area, or we're both on the path together, we don't conflict with one another. We don't have relationship problems with one another. Um, we have a, we have an idea. We have the the spirit of we're working this out, and we're working together on the same team. We are not competing. Tatiana, I'm I'm always referring back to that wonderful essay that you read of of, of Emerson was Emerson mm-hmm. called Greatness, and in what and he says if every one of us could align ourselves with our own bias, we'd stop bumping into each other and getting in each other's way. Yeah, and there wouldn't be that envy or pride or fear. Right. When we realize we're all in the wilderness together working toward the same goal, <laughs> we don't have envy and pride and fear of, of one another. I want to go back to what you're talking about. Oh, wait, wait, honest. I can't hear you. What did you say? Sorry. You I, want, I want to go back to where you're talking about the self-honesty part. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's oftentimes I've found myself in the same position where I, I've, I've, hit a, I've hit a wall and I realized it's it's something inside me, but oftentimes I have a hard time um, being able to uh, step outside of myself completely. And so oftentimes I think to be real self-honest with yourself, you have to find someone who you tr- completely trust to go to and say, I think I have a problem. Could you tell me what it is? Because you can't... Because I can't see it. But I can't see it, but I know it's there. And that sometimes is hard because you're like, okay, I'm not Superman, and now I'm letting you know, and now you're going to find this problem. You probably already were aware of this problem, but now I'm admitting I have it. And so it's kind of a pride issue, too, but oftentimes I've, I've found myself like, I can't find the problem, and I'll go to a mentor that I really trust, and they'll be like, well, here you go. You know, it's a really sore spot, <laughs> so like, here you go. Here's the open wound, and here's some salt in it, and... You know, and, and that's where I think it, it's the people. Um, it's really the dividing line of whether you're going to keep continuing in the in the desert or the wilderness, or you're going to go back to to safe land, right? Um, because you can't handle the self analysis, right? And um, I, I'm glad you brought that up. Going to a mentor saying, "Okay, I, I, no, I, I don't can't see myself very clearly. Can you help me through this this trial?" or this trap, whatever, can you help me see myself so that I can get through this roadblock? And then the, the mentor tells you. Um, sometimes what happens, or the mentor doesn't tell you and is afraid to tell you, because they're afraid you can, the way you're going to take it. But, but sometimes what happens is we, it, this kind of falls into that category of criticism, we think, oh, I'm the mentor. You have to listen to me. Or I'm the one in charge here. You have to listen to me. Or I have the answers for you. You have to listen to me. And we give people advice before they've asked for it, which yeah. is def- definitely a trap. For both people, because, you know, when you talk, you talk about the powers, the levels of power, if you give advice for somebody who's not ready for it, it becomes pride on both sides, which only falls lower. Okay. Um 
just remember that unsolicited advice is criticism. And we we fall into the trap of criticism and then we really get out of that um, that good place the mind needs to be to make progress. Okay, so the vital skills that you need to have to get through the wall, I'm going to go through these really quickly. First, you have to recognize that you've hit a wall. Usually you can recognize that you've hit a wall because you're frustrated or because you're confused. Those are some experiences of, oh, okay, wait, I'm at a wall. Okay, Or you get distracted or the work slows down. Right, Tatiana? Mm -hmm. That's when you know you've hit a wall. Hmm, let's see. Okay, so we've hit, we're hitting a wall here. So then what do you do? That's the question. What do you do when you hit a wall? And Tiffany went over this a little bit. She talked about humbling yourself, getting on your knees, getting recommitting yourself to that vision. I think maybe the most important thing for me when I hit a wall is step back and ask for help to name the wall for me. Right. And I don't know if you already talked about that, but like, and often I'll just go to God and be like, what's my wall? <laughs> because then if I know what it is, then I'll know how to approach it. You know, and and how to be humble and which way and where I go to seek my answers. I've been watching you this summer, Tatiana, and I've been duly amazed at how God works with you. You know, you were just on on your track. You were ready to go. You were rearing to go. You were, you were, you know, I'm going to come home. I'm going to make some money. I'm going back to college. This is what I'm going to do with my life. You know, and you're the kind of person that has this whole plan for yourself, right? And so, and I've watched you do this your entire life. Okay, I have this plan, and then I'm going to go forward, and I make it happen. And you're really driven. You have a lot of initiative. You make it happen, and it's wonderful, and it's great. And this is your senior year of college. You know that the, at Georgewood College, they uh, rotate the junior and senior class. So one year they teach the senior curriculum, and the next year they, use the, they teach the junior curriculum. And you know this year is when they're teaching the senior curriculum because you've already done the junior curriculum and you need this year, right? So you're yeah. thinking to yourself, well, how stupid is that, that, I've, um, that I'm not going to go, why would I not go back to college? That's my plan. I'm going, to, I'm going to go to Georgia College and then all of a sudden this summer you get really, really sick and it throws you for a loop and you think you're in for this, you know, trial that you have to pass or this trial that you have to get through, right? Yeah. And you 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 spend I I could I watched you for two months spending time trying to figure out how to get through this, this sickness so that you could get back to college. And really, the sickness was okay. I'm going to keep you sick enough, just long enough to make it so that you can't go back to college, right? Yeah. So all of a sudden, you have to reevaluate. Oh. So, Scrud, what am I doing? What did you do, Tatiana? Um, reevaluate a lot of things. Just trying to figure out, um, submit myself to the new path that I was supposed to take. So God had a new path for you. He was taking you off the the path that you were on, so that you because he had to he had to jump you over to a different track. Yeah. Do you like it? <laughs> um, I'm happy, but I I'm only happy because I know I'm doing the right thing and where I'm supposed to be. Um, but it, it's hard because it's not 
Right. It's not what really where you feel all your power. Yeah, I feel kind of crippled. But, but you're I, happy because you're doing the right thing. Yeah, and I think sometimes, like, the, the hard thing for me is is understanding, you know, what God's will is. And, and, I, and also, I mean, you have to understand what season you're in. And if you fight your season, you're going to create another wall on top of that. And you're going to have, like, it's going to be a domino effect of walls that you're going to put up if you're fighting your season. And so you're going to try to tackle these walls. But in reality, it's just one huge wall. And that's you're fighting your season, and you need to stop fighting your season, submit to your season, and all those walls will go away immediately. Right. right. And we do a whole conference call on seasons. So if you're under wondering what that is, we'll we'll be doing that in February probably when everybody is coming through a winter. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. So you've humbled yourself. You get a diagnosis. What you this is exactly what you did this summer. You got your diagnosis. God said to you, "I need you to stay home." Oh, okay. So you've got your diagnosis. That's your that, that's been your big frustration, and then you start submitting yourself to that. Now, um, you, the answers or the your diagnosis comes in many many forms. Sometimes it could just be an idea. Oh, I got this new idea, and you follow through with it. Or it could be a person like Tiffany talked about. He has that person has the key to the door that you need to get through, and she was was told to go to to Dr. Brooks and get the answer that she needed, and she did. She she made some amazing changes in her life because of, of a one single conversation. That's the power of when you're following the right, the, the inspiration you need to get and you're going to the right person, it will change the course of your life. You, it, will be, it will be a turning event for you. If you go, it's not necessarily your, your mentor that you needed to seek out, but a mentor, someone who had an answer for you, you seek them out, they give you an answer, and it, you will never forget it. You know, we, we look back at what um, Dr. Brooks, the advice that Dr. Brooks gave Tiffany, and it truly formed Lemmy. It made Lemmy what it is today. Okay. Um so you can go to an idea or you can go to the mentor who's mentoring you in your liberal arts or in your mission mentor, whichever mentor that, you've, that you're working with at the time. And then the answer will come through then. Or it will just come through an impression uh, that you shouldn't push through this wall. Like I said, you know, when I got to my, to my uh, place when I was studying and I kept hitting the same wall because I couldn't understand the definition of this word, I let it go. I sat back and said, Okay, I'm just going to let this go for a little while. And after two weeks of taking time off of it, I was able to come back to it. My head was clearer, and I was able to understand it. Um, as, as you were just talking about things, um, an idea came into my mind. I think that walls and opposition and things are are the refining tools that God uses to refine our wills so that they align with his will. Exactly, which comes to the next point I was going to say is that once you get the answer, you need to submit to the cure. You need to align yourself with his will. You need to submit to it, be obedient to it. And and I think, you know, it, it, since we are we are offspring of God, you would think that we would easily submit to the will of the Father, but we uh, we don't because we are free agent independent beings. And as free independent beings, we have a huge desire to fill our agency and and to live our agency, and it's hard for us to submit um, because 
we don't know the balance between submitting and choosing and and all those different things. And, and often many of us never fully submit to somebody because we're afraid that we'll lose our agency. It's really, really true, isn't it? Okay. Um, a good mentor. Okay, say someone comes to you. Let's let's kind of turn the tide a little bit and let's say, okay, say someone comes to you and says, I've hit a wall. I need help getting through my wall. As a mentor, what can you do? Let me give you uh, some uh, just immediate things that can come to your mind. Someone comes to you and says, or someone doesn't come to you, you can see they're hitting a wall and you need to teach them something that <clears throat> will help them, um, but you don't want to criticize them. So you need to come to a place of um, ask yourself this question. Okay, I'm going to give you, write this down, it's really important. Is this a skills problem? an ability problem, a vision problem, or a mission problem. I remember one time one of my teachers came to me and said, you know, my kids who graduated from, from TJYC for some reason just aren't getting the vision they need. I need to take them to the next level. I'm going to teach them for another half, another semester, and we're going to just focus on vision. What a great mentor that is. I have another um, mentor that said, you know, when, t when my students come into TJYC, they just aren't quite ready because for whatever reason, we haven't set up the systems or uh, we're not doing it, doing it for them or it's not what we're doing is not enough for them. And so they just need a scholar skills class so that I can just get them that one last push to get them to uh, the level that they can be they can feel confident that they'll be successful at, at, at TJYC. <clears throat> it, it's a mentor's responsibility to ponder over these things, to think these things through. Ask yourself the question, is this a skills, mission, ability, or vision problem? And everything will fall under that. Okay, Tatiana, let me ask you this. If I have a pride problem, what category does that fall into? Vision, mission, ability, or skills? Oh. Um, it's a ability, wouldn't it? Um, okay, it's an ability. What's the ability? I would agree with you. Sometimes the ability is that I can't get vision. Yeah, that's ability. I think it's you're unable, or it could also be a vision problem because you don't have a vision of self, and so you have a big wall of pride. So because you're so unstable as a self. But the so, question is, how do you get vision? It always goes back to that ability. Of being yeah. able to get vision. Yeah, right. and so I think it could be an ability you you don't have the capability of being home. Right. So, <clears throat> are you there? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I thought I, I thought I just watched you. Um, I recently I had um, an experience with a student that <clears throat> he was one of my best students in Key of Liberty. He was working really hard. He was always the first to do to be done with all of his assignments. He loved his writing assignments. He wanted to share them with us all the time. He was very vivacious and always telling us what was going on in his life and <clears throat> how he, <clears throat> the things he'd been studying about the Constitution. And um, <clears throat> he was he was my one of my finest students. And he came to class this year, and he was he was never coming. He was coming to class unprepared all the time. He was um, wasn't reading the material. He wasn't you know he was just lagging and I thought wow this just isn't like him <clears throat> and so I went to his mom and I said 
you know, I noticed that Sean is having some problems and isn't isn't necessarily <clears throat> isn't getting his work done on time. Is there something I can do to help him? <clears throat> and his mom said, "Well, uh, let me tell you what's going on in his life right now. <clears throat> he is really um, focused on something else in his life. He's really, really excited about financial success and becoming a millionaire, and he's doing everything he can to study and all these books that he's reading, and he's spending all of his time doing that instead <clears throat> of doing sort of freedom." And I and I said, "Well, that's I don't I don't see a problem to that." And she said, "Yes, there is a problem there." because he's ignoring every other responsibility in his life. And I said, oh, he is lacking a skill and an ability. This, and so he, she said, what, what can you do to help me? And I know this mother, she's an amazing mother. She works, she's, she's so great with her kids. She does a Thomas Jefferson education well, so well in her home. And I said, he's lacking a skill. I'm going to take some time at the end of class to teach this skill. So um, at the end of class, I said, okay, everyone, um, get. I just want you to get a piece of paper out. I'm going to teach a scholar skill. This is, we call it scholar skill moments. And occasionally I do it. And I said, okay, today's a scholar skill moment. And I said, <clears throat> I, I mapped out for them um, uh, how, to, how to make uh, tasks, how to get tasks. And I said, there are chunky time and there are daily time tasks. And I talked to him about the chunky time tasks. When you're doing a project that you're working on for a play, usually that's a chunky time, right, Tatiana? You know that. It takes a lot of intense time. But just because you're doing a play, does that mean that you can stop um, combing your hair and brushing your teeth and saying your prayers and, and maybe doing a math exercise or... You can't stop those things that are really daily things that need to happen for your health, right, Tatiana? Mm -hmm. <clears throat> so, um, he, so I mapped out for them, okay, what are your daily things that you need to get done? Now, what are your chunky things? Now, what happens in your life if you have two chunky things that you have to do? Uh, you have a personal project that you're working on, and it's conflicting with your, your scholar project. How do we do this? And so the kids raise their hand, oh, I know you could spend one day on your personal project and the next day on your scholar project. Well, that's a good way to, you know, give yourself four hours on your personal project and then four hours on your on your scholar project. And, and, and then Sean, this kid, raises his hand and says, well, what if you can't get your mind to stop thinking about it? And... Um, one of the students raised her hand and said, well, that's a really good thing when your brain is working really hard on trying to figure something out. But it also could be a really bad thing because then you can get stuck in your own thoughts. Sometimes it's good to get out of your own thoughts. And I'm like, okay, these kids are answering all the answer questions for me. And um, another late girl raised her hand and said, you know, um, I'm really interested in horses right now. And I know that there are certain things that I have to do in my life. And I've decided to... Give myself a reward. If I get my daily things done, and she didn't know about this, but then she realized this is what she was doing. She says, you know, my mom has some things I need to do, and I have things I need to do. And she says, when I, I put them first on my agenda, the things I don't want to do. And when I get those things done, I give myself a reward. When I'm going to get, when I do these six things on my schedule, then I'm going to think about horses and for the rest of the day. 
And what she was defining is actually a scholar skill, self-discipline. A mastery of master uh, mastery of her passion, helping herself align herself with what is right and good and healthy, and still being completely full of that zest for life and excitement for life. A good mentor can know wh- what when it is one of the four things. I think also it's important to know, like, there's probably a lot of people freaking out because, you know, whoa, I don't have that wisdom or I'm not able to make that judgment. I think that um, it's important to understand that when you are called to be a mentor, um, you're called and therefore you're giving stewardship over that mentee and you have the right to receive inspiration as to what that child needs. Um, right. And so, I mean, like, oftentimes people will present me with a problem with a child and, and I won't be able to fix, find the answer to the problem because it's not my stewardship. Right. Um, I think about what, um, what's his name, M. Scott Peck says, about the difference between a character flaw and a psychosis. What I realize is we have character flaws sometimes that keep us away from asking ourselves the quite vital questions and actually getting the answer. Is this a a visions, mission, ability, or skills problem? And we can't find what it is because we don't think it falls into any one of those categories. And I I guarantee you it does. But we can't see it because we have a character flaw that keeps us away from, from actually seeing it. Okay. So then our choice is whether or not we're going to choose the path of failure, the path of mediocrity, or the path of success. Which the last point of um, Tiffany went through several of those. Choosing the path of failure usually is quitting because we fail all the time, but we don't have to quit, right? And choosing the path of mediocrity is to continue to ask for a different trial, ask for a different call, uh, seek everybody's advice, you know, all those different kinds of things um, that Tiffany talked about. And that, or we don't find the, we, if we find the right mentor, we don't go to them or we don't follow their advice. The path of success looks like this. We become completely 100% self-honest. We follow the prompting we get. We go to the person or we, or we follow through with the idea that we put in the hard work it takes. And then, we experience a breakthrough in our life, true breakthrough. And for those of you who uh, remember, we talk about the liberal arts cycle. That's the whole point of the liberal arts cycle is to get us to a place where we can tr- experience true change in our lives so that we can truly, truly have impact in others' lives. Thanks for listening to this episode. Just as in every Lemmy training, we hope you walk away uplifted and inspired but also empowered to be a better mentor for your family and your community. Please be sure to subscribe and share. We also want to express our gratitude to all the Lemmy mentors, past and present. You got this. You can do hard things.